0: We're Missy Phoenix, a community of God's people learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. Uh, This morning, we're going to be going through the Lord's Prayer, okay, the Lord's Prayer. Um, uh, My parents grew up Catholic, and so when we got to stay with my grandparents... Uh, we got to go to Catholic Mass. And it was very different from uh, church that we were used to. Um, there was a lot of standing and sitting and kneeling and then standing again and then kneeling again. And I was like, this is much more participatory than just sitting in a chair all service. Um, but then uh, there were a couple times where uh, I remember we went to a mass and my brother... Uh, all I heard, I was sitting there listening to mass and my brother started snoring. And all I see is my grandma like, get up, get up, get up. But one of the things that I learned and one of the things that I memorized from going to Catholic mass was the Lord's prayer. And so when, I, when Chris was like, hey, will you preach this Sunday? I got to go do my brother's wedding. Uh, it's on the Lord's prayer. And I was like, oh yeah, I'd love to. And so the last probably six weeks, I've just kind of sat in the Lord's Prayer. I've made it part of my daily rhythm. Now, when I wake up in the morning, I just kind of say the Lord's Prayer. As I think about people, as I think about praying, I say the Lord's Prayer. And then as I go to bed at night, I say the Lord's Prayer. And I tried to be consistent with that. There were days where I was better, and there were days where uh, I'm I was like, oh, shoot, I don't think I said it at all today. But as I was going through it, uh, there were some things that kind of stood out to me. And so uh, if anybody doesn't know the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is, there's two instances of the Lord's Prayer in Scripture, one in Matthew and one in Luke. And the one in Matthew is in the context of Jesus uh, speaking the Sermon on the Mount. Where he's on this mountaintop and he's speaking to thousands of people and he's teaching basic principles, basic teachings of what God's kingdom looks like. The beatitudes, right? Blessed are those who, who mourn, who weep, or are humble, who seek God's righteousness. He talks about fasting and about giving and all of these different things on what God's kingdom is like. And there's a section where he teaches about prayer and he says, listen, God knows everything you need before you even ask. So therefore pray this way. And the instance in Luke, his disciples actually ask, his disciples are probably like, dude, you you go off and pray all the time and none of us are really with you when you do that. And you're gone for a long time and then you come back. Like, what, what are you praying? And so they ask, Jesus, teach us to pray. What do, what do you pray? When you go off and, and you pray to the Father on your own, like, what do you say? Like, is there something we should be saying that you're saying? Teach us to pray. And so he says this as well, the Lord's Prayer. And so the Lord's Prayer is, does anybody know it off the top of their head? Yeah. Lord's Prayer is, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we have forgiven those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Good. It was a blessing to hear that. And as I'm praying this in the morning, there's some things that struck me. One, this is a very communal prayer. This isn't, Lord, Jesus doesn't teach him to say, my Father in heaven, give me my daily bread. Don't lead me into temptation. It's a very communal, our Father who art in heaven. Give us our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. And so a lot of times as I was praying this, it would, I felt that tension of like, I'm praying this by myself. And yet everything is about us and our. And so a lot of times what that led me to do is to pray for us in our. A lot of times I wouldn't get past our father in heaven. May your name be glorified or honored as holy, right? We probably all have the old King James version of the Lord's Prayer memorized. And so for us, a lot of times we're like hallowed. I I don't know what that means, but that's just what I learned, right? May your name be honored as holy. And so as I'm praying this, our Father, it led me to pray for us, Missio. May this be true of us, that we go to God, that we understand who we are and who, in the light of who Jesus is. That we would enter into The presence of God, not as a tyrant, not as a punisher, but as a father. What would that look like? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There are times where I just spent time in just this phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, what would it look like for your kingdom to enter, your good rule and reign to enter into the spaces that I'm in? What would it look like for your good rule and reign to be true of my family? What would it look like for your good rule and reign to be true, to come and to enter into and to be present in the youth that I get to work with at Cultivate. in the youth we get to lead here. in the people I get to meet with here. Chris spoke last week on the seven realities of the kingdom. The kingdom has a king, a way, a people, a diverse people. And some of the we uh, last week, Jill and I were teaching the youth, and some of them had good questions as we talked about what the kingdom of God looks like in their spaces. And some of them asked questions that I think we all ask at some point: What does that mean when someone hurts you? What does that mean when someone has broken your trust? What does that mean when all your friends are doing one thing and you know it's wrong and you know you shouldn't do it, but everybody's doing it? How much do we invite others who don't know Jesus? How much do we invite them in? Do we invite them to everything? Do I bear my heart to them? Like, these are questions that they're asking that we all ask because we've all been hurt. But what would it look like for God's kingdom come, his will be done, in the hearts and the relationships that we have with one another and with others? Give us this day our daily bread. I know this a lot of times has been just boiled down to, God, provide for my needs. And yes, that's a part of it. But I think what Jesus is teaching his followers to do is so much more than just, God, just, just give me enough for today to survive. Sometimes that is it. There are seasons in our lives where it, it just is, Jesus, just get me through today. But I think what more, what's, what we'll kind of explore. Even more is an invitation to continue to trust Him. Deliver, uh, as, forgive us our sins, or forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive the, or debts, as we forgive those who trespass or against us or our debtors or who have sinned against us. Right? Like, there's there's quite a few different versions there. But the gist of like, Jesus, forgive us as we forgive those who have sinned against us. There's this call to action, right? There's that little phrase, as we. Jesus, forgive us as we also are forgiven. Now, this isn't a rule like your sins will not be forgiven if you don't forgive. Although in Matthew, Jesus does go on to say, right? Jesus does go on to say, uh, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But it's more of an invitation of, uh, hey, as you experience the forgiveness of, of God, as you experience his grace and his mercy, it should lead you to be gracious and merciful and forgiving to those who have wronged you. As you experience the presence of God and his grace, how do you represent that grace, love, and mercy to those around you? And then finally, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I know there's, there tends to be some, but, but wait a minute, I thought God doesn't tempt you. And that, that word temptation is, proper, is probably more properly translated as testing than temptation. So God, don't lead us into testing, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom forever and ever. Amen. And so I, I, I'm not going to go into each of these. Honestly, Like uh, we could have probably done a sermon on just each of those phrases, kind of dive more deeply into it. But we don't have the time to do that this morning. Uh, there is a good little book. I forgot to bring it this morning. Uh, I was going to show you. If you want to dive into kind of more of the Lord's Prayer, uh, there's a good, a small book um, called The Lord and His Prayer by N.T. Wright. Um, it's a good short read. It's not a long one, but man, he uh, he dives into some things that are just beautiful, that go beyond uh, just the prescription of the Lord's Prayer. And so kind of what I wanted to do this morning is to just kind of invite us in that the, this Lord's Prayer has often been used as uh, sort of a prescription on how to pray, right? You start with acknowledging that God is holy. You want what is true about God to be true about you and about your community. Then you're allowed to ask for what you need. And then, you, uh, then you pray for forgiveness, uh, any sins that you have committed, and then you, you uh, seek to forgive others who have sinned against you. Then you recognize what areas of your life or what areas of your heart tend to to be bent more towards evil than towards good. You confess those things and you say, God, don't continue not to test me with these things, but deliver me from these things. And so uh, I have often heard the Lord's Prayer just kind of as a prescription on this is how to pray. And, And that's certainly true. I think there's some of that that Jesus was teaching his followers. This is a good way to pray. And yet in our culture, we just boil everything down to a formula and then we say, cool, got that formula down. As long as I follow this formula every time, I'm praying correctly. But what I want to say is this Lord's Prayer Jesus was teaching both his disciples and thousands of people of what God's kingdom was like is less of a prescription and more of an invitation into the very presence of who Jesus was and who God is. Because the reality of the fact is, and the irony of it is, Jesus is teaching these things and yet the fullness of all of these things is found in him. Where Jesus is saying, Pray this way, Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored as holy. And yet, He came from the Father. He says in John 6, If you have seen the Father, or if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I and the Father are one. He is the fullness. There's anybody who could say in confidence, in a lovingly present, say, our Father. It was Jesus. He knew God as Father. And yet he identifies, hey, our Father means just as I am allowed to say God the Father, just as I know God as a good dad, as a good father, I'm also inviting you to also call him Father. If you follow me, if you trust me, if you believe in me, you too can call God Father. Just as he calls you son or daughter, you can call God Father. As Jesus is praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom has come in the person of Jesus. The fullness of God's kingdom came in the person of Jesus. His way, what it's like to live in God's kingdom is found in the purpose or in the person of Jesus. Give us this day our daily bread. It reminds me, when I would pray that, it reminds me of Jesus, uh, after he's baptized, he gets led, says the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness to be tested. And one of the first tests is the enemy says, hey, I will give you, or, or no, he's hungry. After 40 days and 40 nights of not eating, wandering in this desert, The enemy says, hey, you see that rock right there? Turn it into bread. Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word of God. And so give us this day, our daily bread, isn't just a, hey, God, provide for my needs today. It's an invitation to enter into the presence of Jesus, enter into the presence of God, and hang on every word that he says. He is the bread of life. There's certainly an aspect of, hey, I need something, Jesus, today. And yet, He knows even before you ask what you need. And like a good Father, when we ask for bread, He does not give us stones or rocks. When we ask for good things, He does not give us a viper or a snake. He is a good Father. forgive us our sins, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. The fullness of this, the cross. While Jesus didn't need to ask for forgiveness for anything, the fullness of God himself, the fullness of God's kingdom who comes to earth as a man who lives a life perfectly to undo sin and the power of sin, who did not sin at all, and yet bears the fullness, the full weight of sin on his shoulders on the cross. And his response to that is not, forgive me. But he graciously says, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. While he's bearing the full weight of all of sin, he still moves toward grace and mercy and forgiveness. And so I know a, a, a church, is, as I was praying this, is there were times where like, I need to forgive this person, but it's hard. I would keep this in mind. That while hanging on a cross, bearing the full weight of sin, Jesus moves towards forgiveness. He asks the Father to forgive the very people that put him on that cross. Probably even people that followed him at one point, that were a part of that crowd on the Sermon on the Mount. Who people who may have even been healed by him. And yet, because everyone else and the church leaders were saying, crucify him, crucify him, get caught up in the moment. He says, God, move towards those people. They don't know what they're doing. May we be a church who forgives graciously, even when it's hard. Now, that doesn't mean have no boundary toward, boundaries towards anyone else after forgiveness, after we're hurt, but it does mean that you are no longer harboring bitterness and want judgment and condemnation and justice, that you are for that person, that you truly want them to know and to follow and to trust Jesus as well. Right? There are people in my life that I'm like, oh yeah, I forgive them, but do I really want good for them? I may be like, okay, I, I won't hold it against them anymore. Whatever, yeah, it's water under the bridge. But one of the things I was convicted as I, as I prayed this prayer often is, do I want them to call God Father? Do I want God's kingdom to come in them as it is in heaven? Do I want them to accept the invitation to not just have God provide for their needs, but for God's words of life to be true in them? And that's harder. And lead us not into temptation or testing, But deliver us from evil. As Jesus entered into the wilderness to be tested, the curse of sin that was brought by man was undone by the man Jesus, by the Son of Man. That while at the very beginning of creation, when man decided to take the fruit and decide for themselves, we're going to decide for ourselves what is good, right, and beautiful. We hear the words of God. We see God. We get to walk with him every morning in the garden. And he explains to us, hey, I created this for you. In this bush, in this tree, there's so much potential. You can eat the fruit of this tree. Oh man, this bush, the berries that it, that it gives are sweet to the taste. These berries over here, they're gonna turn your mouth purple, but they're good. They decided for themselves, no, we're gonna eat this fruit and we're gonna decide for ourselves what is good, right, and beautiful. And the curse of sin that entered into the decision of man Now the son of man enters into the the picture. And while he's tempted in the wilderness to receive that power, to decide for himself what is good, right, and beautiful, he says, no, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Man does not live on bread alone, but on the every word of God. And through those temptations, Jesus Fulfills and undoes the curse of sin. He says, Not my will, Father, but your will be done. He's praying in the garden right before he goes to the cross. And he honestly goes before God and says, If there's any other way, God, I know your plan, I know your will if there's any other way this can happen, he knew the full weight of what was going to happen, of what he was going to have to carry, of where he was going to have to go, of what he was entering into, and the full weight of that. He says, God, this is a lot. And yet, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus is the fullness of this prayer. And yet he's giving it. He's teaching it. He's saying, pray like this. And all of it, it finds its fullness in him. And so as we are called to follow Jesus, as we are called to enter into, as we're invited into this mission that Jesus started. And he commissions his disciples to carry on. And thousands of years later, he still invites us and calls us to carry on that same mission. I'd invite you to pray the Lord's Prayer. See how the Spirit moves and stirs in your heart. I know it can become mechanical and uh, a lot of times just liturgical and just something we do. But as I've sat in it the last few weeks, the Spirit has done some work in my heart. So I invite us to maybe sit in the Lord's Prayer for a while and see what the Spirit does in your heart. How it moves you towards Jesus, invites you to be in his presence, that with Jesus you say, God, my Father, may your name be glorified, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.